Well, last time I talked to the people from downtown. What was the last movie you went to? Miguel, what's new? Miguel, what's new in the community? Have you gotten any feedback about the Twitter feed? First of all, for the people who contact us on Twitter. About a certain research. Can you tell me more? Well, depends who you talk if you talk to the people from the board. Why? Welcome to another episode to of the Community Board Podcast with your host, Miguel Valdez. And today, uh, we're almost at the end of the month of April. And uh, for me personally, it's been week five of the quarantine. And today, I'm going to be chatting with my friend, Dr. Flora Howie. Doctor, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Miguel. Thank you. How are you today? Well, today feels good. The sun came out and uh, I'm... Uh, um, today's a good day. Let's put it that way. What good. about you? Well, I'm happy the sun is out as well. Yeah. And uh, which week are you in during this quarantine for yourself? Oh, I believe I've been going to the clinic in, on and off, but um, I would say I've been seriously quarantining about three weeks. Okay. So let's share with our friends. So you're a doctor. What what do you practice, doctor? I'm a I'm a developmental behavioral pediatrician, and I see children that have developmental disabilities, things like speech delay or intellectual disability, and I see many many children that have autism spectrum disorder. Oh, okay. So. What happened with this population, with these kids and parents who are dealing, um, they're being diagnosed? Is that the right word, diagnosed for autism? Yes, yes. During this time, uh, how do you still see families? I've been seeing families by video visit, actually. And it's been going well. Most of the families I've been seeing are families that I know, so we know each other and follow up uh, on how development is progressing. I've been using questionnaires and waving hello and talking to kids on video. Uh, so it's, it's been an interesting experience. I've had some experience with it in the past, uh, but under the COVID-19 pandemic uh, restrictions, it's a little different. Uh, our kids on the spectrum do have difficulty with change. So I've been talking a lot with parents about maintaining routine and consistency or establishing what we're all calling the new normal. So yeah. their kids will get used to the routine. And uh, something that you share with me, and that's, I guess, what why we are here today, is um, April is Autism Awareness Month. Do you want to share with our Friends who are listening to this episode, what is autism? For somebody autism who's not familiar. Is, yes, autism is uh, what we call a neurodevelopmental disability, meaning it can affect the brain and as a result affects development. And we believe that it's biologically based, meaning that there is a genetic pattern to it 
that causes problems with the brain that affects social skills, it affects behaviors. And so there are sort of two camps to defining autism. One, difficulty with social communication, and two, restricted repetitive behaviors. And so in that first area of social communication, children on the autism spectrum have difficulty relating socially or reading social cues. And so they may be having a conversation about something that they're interested in, not realizing that the person they're talking to may not be interested in the same thing. They may have difficulty interpreting uh, facial expressions or body language. So if someone is upset or they've hurt someone's feelings, they may not be able to problem solve that and look at the cues and recognize that. And also interest in relationships. There may be difficulty developing relationships because of difficulties with that theory of mind, that ability to see the world from someone else's point of view. And also... Okay, continue, sorry. Oh, and also they may not want to develop relationships at all. You mentioned uh, there is on the genetics of the person. So does that mean if that runs within my family, some of my... um, doesn't uh, my kids might be a higher chance also to yes. develop? Yes. And so there is a recurrent risk. Um, if a family has one child with autism, it's approaching um, uh, between 10 up to 20% in some studies chance of having another child on the autism spectrum. And we believe that Possibly generations back, there might have been a gene or maybe something unique to the child, a change in their own genes um, or genetic inheritance that has caused the autism. But that can take a few generations? Yes. So you may not see it in uh, parents. Um, You may get history that there was a grandparent who may have been socially isolated or may have had traits of autism. I do see a number of parents, however, who have shared with me that they are also on the autism spectrum. And so there uh, is a clear genetic pattern. When we do twin studies, we find that um, there is a greater chance of both twins being on the autism spectrum and more recent studies are going um, to 75, 80, um, up to 80 or higher percentage of if what my twin A has it, my twin B will also. Or the other twin may have traits of autism. They may not make the diagnostic criteria, but they may have traits or some other developmental problem. What about, um, um, how common is it? In the society. Yeah, it's quite common. And so um, in uh, there is a a monitoring network that operates out of the CDC, the Autism and Developmental Disabilities Monitoring Network. And every two years, they come out with studies that tell us, gee, how common is autism? 
And they've been following it because the prevalence has been rising. And this year, the most recent study found a prevalence of one in 54. Do you want to show our listeners what is the CDC? If they're not just in case there's somebody who's. Yeah, the Center for Disease Control. Okay, it's a national level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and what, what, what was the percentage again that you mentioned? One in 54. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And what about it, when, uh, when it comes down to our diverse communities? How does that breakdown come to our, when, it's, when we're talking about diverse communities? Yes. Well, in diverse communities, um, we have found that the prevalence um, was coming out lower. Um, and one of the thoughts was that accessing the uh, medical, the complex medical providers or specialists needed to make the diagnosis was not as available uh, to certain unique communities. And so in some studies, we found that among um, the Black population, um, the Hispanic population, that the prevalence was lower. One of the things that, that um, the Center for Disease Control did was raise awareness in select communities around the country. And what has been found is the gap has been closing. And so among um, Hispanic populations, uh, African-American uh, populations, um, white populations, the prevalence numbers are becoming more even. Um, however, um, also studies have been done looking at socioeconomic status, and we're finding, um, and that was a study done a couple of years ago, that the prevalence uh, was pretty consistent between the ethnicities for autism. So it seems to be um, linked to your ability to access, um, to access um, the services that you need to get that diagnosis made. And um, so however... I- Sorry, my question was, oh, I just, what, at what age those kids are start being diagnosed? Or what is that first encounter where somebody kind of notice some delay? Yeah, um, the age of diagnosis that we shoot for is about 36 months of age. So nationally, there's a push. Get kids diagnosed or in their first evaluation by 36 months of age. Uh, however, we're finding that um, overall, it seems to be later. I'm sorry, my cell phone is... Uh, it's okay. It's part of being doing podcasts during quarantine on these times. And Yes. Let me see if I can... Okay, there we go. And so um, children that have milder forms, they may be close to five years old and even older before the diagnosis is made. And so the more symptoms that you're showing, the earlier the diagnosis, but we still haven't reached that goal. So you think that reflects six months. You think that reflects on the lower numbers for our diverse communities? Not having that early up? Yes, it may. Now I do want to add that progress has been made in that area and 
So um, the most recent prevalence study did find that um, the prevalence is um, becoming more, even more equalized between um, ethnicities. Okay. Um, and how do you treat um, how do you treat autism? If there's a well, treatment or yes, therapy yes. Or um, so we're targeting those two areas I discussed, the social difficulties, social communication problems, and then the restricted repetitive behaviors. So if you have a child who is uh, interested in doing one thing, like only stacking blocks or only playing with dinosaurs or having repetitive movements, always tapping or taking one object and kind of always moving it back and forth in front of their eyes, what, what you have is a child that's not available uh, for learning other things. They're not interested. And so getting them socially connected is very important. Reducing those restricted repetitive behaviors is very important. And so a lot of the intervention is aimed at getting that relationship development going, especially for the younger children. So there are models out there. One is called the Early Start Denver model, where parents are taught to create that relationship with their children, get a back and forth going, um, learning how to share or pass things back and forth or play or make eye contact, redirecting them to do that or motivating them by rewarding them for interacting socially. And then working on those restricted behaviors, redirecting children away from them or maybe reducing sensory things that are bothering them, causing them to exhibit these behaviors. Um, um mm-hmm. I was gonna ask you where where are some of the associated medical problems, the problems you can mm-hmm. see in children with autism, besides those no eye contact, repetitive uh movement. Can they cope uh just like any other kid? Or I mean even even a kid who's not been diagnosed with autism when they're young age, uh you know, they're learning how to cope. What about mm-hmm. kids with autism? If somebody takes their favorite toy, you know, they're in the playground and mm-hmm. something bothers them. How do they uh, cope with something? That, that, is, a, that is a problem. Uh, um, because that social piece is missing, you might see, which is why we call it a spectrum, a reaction where they withdraw and they don't care and they're not interested in interacting and a child can take their toy and it's like the other child doesn't exist and they'll just move on to something else. So that's one end of the spectrum. The other end may be a severe tantrum because they don't know how to say or communicate, that's my toy. And their way of reacting to it might be to um, hit, scream, run away um, and have disruptive behaviors. Either way, the response to that social situation is impaired. And um, that leads us to the interventions which would help a child and teach them how to react in certain social situations. Um, Along with relationship development intervention are other interventions that teach kids the rules. What do I do? Um, You can use things like social stories where you create a situation. What do I do when a child takes my toy? And you use pictures 
um, and a sequence of events, like a story, and you take the child through it so that they learn, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And they actually learn the script. And many children on the autism spectrum can be successful using methods like that or other methods where you have an adult or a facilitator on, on the scene when things are happening so they can step in and help facilitate a more socialized uh, response to these situations. Um, is there any cure for autism? Uh, as far as we know, it's lifelong. Uh, the symptoms, um, the behaviors can be improved. 75% of children on the autism spectrum, if they start with early intervention, can make progress. You have children on the spectrum who can improve to the point where it's difficult to notice that they are on the spectrum, um, except very close relatives, parents, um, a spouse, children will notice, um, but they can function quite well. So they may be sort of the absent-minded professor type who doesn't get all the jokes but they're quite functional. And there's some people who have been diagnosed with autism, they, they might become a, a genius in other fields and, and in a specific fields. Yes, you can have that set mind. Great, absolutely, absolutely. That ability to focus on one thing and do it very well can actually be a gift in, in certain situations. Mm. And, and what about during these times? For example, we're uh, stuck in our house, you know, doing the quarantine stay home campaign and trying to stay safe. Uh, any recommendations for families with kids that you guys, that you've been seeing within your patients or that you guys give? To, does the CDC send some guidelines on you guys since this is the new norm of the, yes. what has your experience been? There's a lot of help out there. Um, there are, um, the CDC has information on, general information for families on ways to um, uh, create activities for children, um, routines. For our children on the autism spectrum, some of the things that the families I work with and have visit, video visited with is having them adjust to the change. And so, I was going to school every day at this time and leaving at this time and going to aftercare at this time and seeing mom and dad at this time. And now this has all changed. So helping with some of those tools I mentioned, like social stories, um, creating schedules that are visual so our kids on the spectrum know what's going to happen next and maintaining that routine daily, um, giving breaks. I talk to families about Um, try twice a day to get out, take a walk or do some activity. The um, distance learning that schools have been implementing do often have physical education guidelines as well. And so put that into your routine. So my physical education for the day could be to take a walk outside or to a bike ride or, or other activities, um, but make it consistent and make the rules clear And um, over time, for most children, things settle down. 
I have had families who have said to me, oh, my child is quite happy because they don't like seeing other people. They don't like social interaction. And so um, I've had many families where the children um, are doing just fine um, because they don't have to endure the social interaction that's so difficult for them. Mm -hmm. What about um, recommendations for parents also? Because as uh, caregivers, sometimes we give a near break. Recommendations, even... I mean, on top of the quarantine, even just during regular times, what we can call regular, uh, also those, those parents with autism kids, do they have like a support groups or where other parents can communicate uh, and share what has been working yes. for them or is sometimes it's not working or just sometimes feels good to connect with somebody who are going through the same struggles? Absolutely. And Miguel, you're very perceptive, um, good insight, because that's exactly what I talk to parents about. Okay. Even beyond this COVID crisis, families that have children with autism, um, studies have found tend to be more isolated uh, compared to families that have children with other developmental disabilities. And I talk a lot about um, getting out and having time away alone to refuel so that you will be at um, your best in order to take care of your child with disabilities. Respite care, I do talk to families about. Um, and um, personal care assistance. Um, and you can get county services to help support the family. We do have um, locally uh, support services such as the RT Autism Awareness Foundation, We have um, the um, Autism Society of Minnesota. Everyone calls them awesome. We have online Autism Speaks. Uh, there are support groups. Support groups can vary, um, but um, they those can Mayo, come and go. Those people can visit Mayo Clinic uh, site. Is there is any link that we can share from Mayo Can they just Google search for Mayo Clinic Autism and would something will come out? Uh, we do have um, a website. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so for families that are looking for evaluations, looking for information on supports that are out there, we do have on our team, uh, RN Care Coordinator. We also have our social worker who works with families a great deal on uh, supports. Uh, she also does mental health um, supports for families um, emergently one-on-one -on -one while we're seeking for services in the community. Okay. So we're going to be posting that link here in the information about this episode. Um, doctor, what about... Um, uh, Like you said that you've been seeing patients through telemedicine or through through the web. Um, any insight that you have on how, well, I guess you coordinate a lot also with the school district, don't you? On how you guys uh, yes. see your kids. Um, 
anything that you know that you want to share or, or how this is moving? I, I know this is all new for everybody, but um, mm-hmm. how that affects, uh, we know affects just to everybody, you know, kind of, especially kids not being able to see their classmates and, and that routine, which is important for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you see any, do you have any insight of how this is going to be looking for, um, for families or, or uh, caregivers of kids with autism, how they can still trying to keep the routine within visiting and socializing outside of their social, uh, their household. Yes, um, there are uh, children within the schools that have scheduled time to have FaceTime with their friends at school. And um, that can be very helpful. Um, of course, as we're doing the Zoom visits, that's an option. And uh, telephone calls are an option because of the restriction in terms of um, social distancing. It has been difficult for some children um, to not have that ability to have that contact. Um, and so family activities can be helpful. Um, those are some of the things we can do at this point. One of the things you mentioned earlier was um, in terms of the schools. And we are in our infancy, but we are uh, trying to link schools into our uh, evaluations in terms of after the evaluation is done, having a uh, representative or a therapist or a special education provider from the schools that has worked with the family or will be working with the family join our um, evaluation in terms of this is what we're finding with your child. We're wrapping up on our evaluation. These are the scores. These are our recommendations we feel it would be really powerful to have a school representative on that same Zoom screen working with us and talking with the family when we're discussing what to do and what interventions are needed. And so we're in our infancy of trying to schedule that and get that going as we work on kind of the workflow with video visits. I have a question. I don't know if you got a chance to listen Governor Waltz from Minnesota last week when he was addressing and recognizing the health disparities within diverse communities, how they're being affected over the years for so many things and they're expected to be affected with COVID-19. My question to you is, do you see um, within all the diverse communities, do you see there is uh, a stigma about uh, autism or in the general population, is there a stigma that families and caregivers or kids are uh, experiencing when somebody is diagnosed with uh, uh, autism? Yes, for some families, any developmental disability can be a stigma. And I'm, I'm not sure whether autism is kind of in the forefront Uh, and it may be because it's uh, so widely talked about now because of the rising prevalence 
But I do see in general families um, that have children with developmental disabilities can differ in their acceptance of it. Um, They may be more in denying uh, the things that they see. Um, And it may also be uh, not recognizing what some of the things they're seeing means. And so, um, yes, I have seen some differences. Um, and I guess and, yeah, you mentioned that insulation of the family sometimes, you know, you kind of close your yeah, circle. Exactly. And I was wondering if that also is uh, reflected in our diverse communities, because we know for some other things are uh, there is some stigma. And uh, I've been in so many phone calls now, and I hear him, uh, oh, so-and-so is not being, uh, is just keep their regular life because they don't, they, they don't, people start to stigmatize somebody because they're being diagnosed with COVID-19, you know? Mm, so yes. In yes. diverse communities, that's kind of the, the fear, the, I don't want to share this, I just want to continue kind of with my regular uh, life, even the they told me to stay home. Even mm-hmm. though I'm already feeling better, I know I'm supposed to be home, but I just want to keep it regular mm-hmm. so people doesn't notice uh, because that pointing fingers and the stigma. So, mm-hmm. but, Doctor, um, April being almost over in the, the end of the awareness, I know this is something like this. Uh, it should be awareness through the whole year. Anything else that you want to share with us related to to autism? Um, I would just like to say overall that, yes, it is a developmental disability. Um, It runs a spectrum, which can go from severe to mild. And the big message that I would like to share is if you see symptoms that are concerning. Um, A child who might not be speaking when you think they should or not making eye contact or not um, uh, relating to you socially the way you think your child should or they're a loss of skills in any area of development. Those are some of the indications um, that you would want to have your child evaluated. The earlier the intervention, very clear over decades of research, the better the outcome. And so early intervention is quite important. Um, Take action if there are any concerns. Parents are very good at detecting if there is a problem and having an evaluation with specialists in developmental disabilities can tell you exactly what the problem might be. It may not be autism, um, but it's important to to get the evaluation and and follow that lead of your instincts um, if you are concerned about anything. And early intervention can help children make significant progress. Also, um, in the past, when I had opportunity to chat with you, you mentioned uh, the... Some of the things also that reflects with kids uh, who who are being diagnosed with autism is their 
motrice, their coordination of their body uh, is not quite there. Is that one of the other characteristics? So yes, does this absolutely. reflect also in a sub early age during those at those 36 months, parents can notice some of that? Yes, you can. And so you can notice uh, social um, coordination problems, awkwardness, um, difficulties with movement. We have found that over half of children on the autism spectrum can have some sort of motor problem with how they use their hands, um, how they are able to use their hands to dress or use utensils or use or write or draw with a crayon or the big muscles, their ability to keep up with other children on the playground so can be impaired. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, there's so much things to learn. Yes, and, yes. And, and there are a lot of medical things that might go along with autism as well. And motor delay is one. Problems with sleep, problems with uh, the stomach, GI problems, um, stomach uh, upsets, uh, constipation, um, neurologic problems like seizures. There's a higher chance of having seizures. And so there are also medical concerns that may be there along with the autism. And so um, that multidisciplinary evaluation with many specialists, such as speech therapy, uh, occupational therapy, psychology, neuropsychology, a, a developmental pediatrician. Um, that team is needed because um, it's often a pretty complex presentation. And the earlier, the better. Absolutely. Know. That's the big message. The earlier, the better. Yeah. Well, I guess we can close with that. The, we're inviting people to please share this podcast uh, with your friends and family uh, because it's very important that we can help uh, these families support them and, and, and like you mentioned uh, early the better and uh, mm -hmm. I want to invite everybody to please share this podcast you can find this podcast on iTunes on their community board if you go to SoundCloud you can find us also there on their community board podcast you can find us on Facebook under Community Board, on Twitter also under Community Board. And if you want to share something with the community, please reach out to us and we help you spread the message. Doctor, anything else that you want to close this podcast with? Any Just to tell everyone out there that during these times, these very unusual times, just be safe. Okay. And go for a walk when you have a chance. Keep your distance and stay active. Stay Thank you, doctor. Thank you. What's going on this weekend? I'm going for a walk now. Talk to you later. Well, last time I talked to the people from downtown. What was the last movie you went to? Miguel, what's new with Miguel, what's new in the community? Have you gotten any feedback about the Twitter feed? First of all, for the people who contact us on Twitter. About a certain research. Can you tell me more? Well, depends who you talk, if you talk to the people from the board. Why did the yogurt go to the art museum? Did you see in the news? To get more culture. <laughs>